at a mate for a year. So when I look at uh, sports fans who you know, dress up in bizarre ways and you know, shave their hair and go all you know, bare-chested in sub-zero temperatures, like the more extreme the fandom, you know, it just screams so bleedingly obvious, like the more lacking the life, right? The more desperate, the more intense you are to assert and publicly announce and proclaim your fandom, right? Now, of course I wear a yarmulke, but that's just, that's just an expression of my hero system. It's not because I'm, I'm clinging to certainty in an uncertain world. No, I see through the BS, man. Now, I may be by all conventional accounts, you know, a very unsuccessful person, a total loser, marginalized loser, but at least I see through the BS, man, all right? So, come on, think about the most extreme sports fans you've known in your life, all right? All right the more extreme the sports fandom, right, the more desperate people are to get rid of their unwanted selves and to dissolve themselves in the all of some sporting allegiance or religious allegiance or political allegiance or some kind of communal allegiance, right? The more desperate people are to be rid of themselves and to dissolve themselves in some group greater than them. They give up their individuality to you know, be part of a team, right? The more unhappy they are, you know, the, the less effective they are. You think someone effectively navigating his way through life, so you know, holding down a marriage, three kids, earning over a million dollars a year with, you know, friends from childhood, the respect of his peers, you know, exciting projects that uh, you know, keep him filled with, with passion and energy and enthusiasm and joy. Uh, you think that person dyes his hair on Sundays to go you know, yell and scream at a football game? No, you can be a successful, you know, happy, accomplished person and enjoy sports. Right, but the more desperately you get your meaning in life from sports or from your favorite you know, political team, right, the fortunes of Donald Trump, either pro or con, and if you get a great deal of your meaning from the success or failure of the Trump project, right, you're, a, you're a marginalized loser. Because right, it really doesn't matter 99% of the time to 99% of people in America, whether it's Donald Trump, Joe Biden, of Barack Obama is is president just doesn't matter the reason that we talk about it so much if we do talk about it so much in a healthy way the healthy reason is because it's fun and we enjoy it we find it stimulating because we're smart and we enjoy living in an abstract world right smart people love to live in an abstract world their politics is you know largely abstract well abstract meaning apart from set apart from distinct from away from concrete concerns of real people in a real world, all right? We overwhelmingly discuss abstract topics on this show because it's fun, it's stimulating, it's challenging, it's the equivalent of uh, video gaming for other groups or playing basketball, basketball Americans, uh, golf Americans, you know, Christian Americans, Judaic Americans, all right? We all have our our different uh, pursuits that give meaning and purpose to our life, you know, and they all stem from our hero system. So, this strikes me that the absurd certainty 
which, with which you know, many people approach life, such as the uh, Israel, Ga Gaza, Hamas, you know, Arab-Islamic world the conflict. Uh, the more certain your pronouncements you know, on complicated, nuanced, constantly changing, contradictory, inflammatory, bewildering topics like this, right, the greater your need for certainty, right, the more insecure and usually ineffective you are, right, to, to cling absurdly to things that are just infinitely complicated, uh, it, it's, it's a way of admitting that, hey, reality is just way too complicated for me. You know, I'm unwilling to deal with reality, so I've got to construct this mansion of my own certainties as against you know, all empirical observations and uh, hold myself up, right? I need to tighten around certain beliefs, right? When you let go unnecessary tension, you find yourself letting go of most of your beliefs and the beliefs that you do retain they take on a gentle quality. Like, have you ever met a more gentle, considerate, compassionate, unselfish, did I say empathic, you know, live streamer than myself? You know, the, the way that my, my heart and my head, and my whole psyche and my embodied experience goes out to those who differ from me and my ability to put myself in their shoes. Uh, I, oh, you know, I contain multitudes because I have you know, reached this, this stage of spiritual evolution where I no longer need to desperately cling on to certainty to you know, give myself protection against a infinitely complex, buzzing, confusing world. So yeah, we can still have our favorite teams. We can still enjoy sports and religion and culture and politics, but uh, if you're a Trump supporter, I mean, you have to be humbled by the frequently childish and incompetent way that he ran his administration. If you're a Trump hater, you have to be humbled by the fact that this guy did become president of the United States, and the uh, United States did not end under his reign, nor did he at any time come at all close to instituting tyranny or fascism or dictatorship. I mean, I voted for George W. Bush twice. I've only voted, you know, Republican. And what an absolute disaster George W. Bush was. If you're a Joe Biden supporter, he's, you know, tripled, quadrupled, multiplied by 10 times the odds that we'll get into some kind of shooting war with Russia, some kind of nuclear exchange with Russia and with China by just skipping right past the traditional American strategy over Taiwan of strategic ambiguity that Joe Biden has you know, transcended that because as Steve Saylor notes, he's the most Trumpian of all politicians next to Donald Trump. He's such an egomaniac. He has to fly to Israel at a time of war, completely unnecessary, completely unnecessarily putting the United States front and center in this Arab-Israeli conflict, 
And who knows how many thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of Americans will die. Just think if there was another 9-11, had anything like the repercussions of the last 9-11, right? the last 9-11 was only caused because of America's unnecessary involvement in Middle East politics. Right? And as a result, we spent about $5 trillion on the invasion of occupation of Iraq, another couple of trillion invading and occupying Afghanistan. I completely um, changed air travel for the worse. Uh, temporarily at least devastated the economy, instituted you know, whole new layers of government intrusion into our lives. It brought about you know, whole new layers of, of government bureaucracies listening in on our lives. So diminishing our freedoms considerably. You know, to an extent, you know, we're not even aware of in all likelihood. Uh, they instituted, you know, brutal regimes of, of terror and torture, you know, slaughtering or being responsible for the deaths of, you know, probably well over a million you know, Iraqis and Afghans had unnecessary deaths because of our rabid, unnecessary response to 9-11. Now, Joe Biden has set us up for multiple 9-11s because he, he's so certain that uh, he can stage manage these conflicts that, uh, that he can get into you know, some brutal great power game with Russia. Like imagine that you're president of the United States or you're a leading American politician or you're in the foreign policy establishment elite. Like, where's the joy? Where's the fun? Where's the sense of importance? Where's the status? Where's the power? Where's the glory at basically pursuing a realistic vision of America's most vital interests and abstaining from you know, getting involved in exciting you know, ventures overseas that are not in our great interest? Yeah, hi, what do you need? Eight four. Eight eight seven. Eight eight seven. Zero five. Zero four. Um, I'm not sure. You'll have to try. try uh, eight, eight, seven, oh, two, it's okay. Eight, seven, so that's eight seven one two. What are you looking for? Eight seven zero five. So that would be on this side. So um, eight, probably right up there to the right. No, it should be the other side is eight seven one two is even. That's odd. Eight zero seven eight seven is odd. So if if Joe Biden had you know, this empathic, humble, you know, gentle, you know, understanding of you know the limits of his and his administration's own ability to affect the world and to uh, Know, stage manage, you know, great power, you know, conflicts and shooting wars, right? We wouldn't have blundered into these unnecessary interventions in Middle East and Ukraine and, and setting us up for just a colossal cluster over Taiwan. Okay, Shalom. You voted for Bush, yes, twice. Forty is the only cheap GUP voter with an IQ over 120. Five trillion could have colonized the solar system. Asian leading needs help. Always the bench. Absolutely. So, you know, I have to step away from my 
my grand moral visions, my you know, innovative ethical reasoning, my deep universal strategic analysis you know, to help my fellow human being in need find you know, 8705. Lady, look, if it's 8712 on the other side of the street, that means on this side of the street you get odd numbers. That's the kind of piercing insight that you tune into this channel for. But I'm loving this novel, Wellness by Nathan Hill. I'm approaching the end. And uh, so I'm in the section about two hours in the audible book from the end where the professor, uh, he studied how can you manufacture falling in love? He found out you can manufacture it by certain key questions. So you bring about a certain feeling of nervous excitement and then you get people to open up about their most intense emotional memories and uh, that you know, triggers the you know, falling in love. They also, in this novel at least, run some kind of experiment on how you can cure your own back pain. Right? The, the power of the placebo effect. And so why don't we use the uh, placebo effect more often because it's so expensive in terms of our resources even though we live in a world basically safer than 99% of people have experienced in history, we are evolutionarily mismatched. And so we feel a great deal of strain and fear and bewilderment. And so we try to wrestle the buzzing confusion and threat that uh, is all around us by clinging very tightly to you know, certain beliefs. Right? That way we, we feel like they're a bulwark against a, a dangerous world. But uh, through the Alexander Technique we learned that all beliefs are just unnecessary muscular tension. When you release the unnecessary muscular tension you release the tightness with which you hold your beliefs too. Right? The way you hold your muscles is the same way you hold your beliefs. If your muscles are free, if your neck is free, if your shoulders are free and releasing to the sides, if your back is lengthening and widening, your, your head-neck relationship is aligned and the head is gently releasing forward and up, leading the whole spine into length and width. If there's you know, this lovely length between your right hip and your left shoulder and your left hip and your right shoulder. Now, I, I struggle a bit with interior pelvic tilt. How's your interior pelvic tilt? I suggest you go into YouTube and look up interior pelvic tilt because if you're right-handed the odds are 99% you've got interior pelvic tilt and the central nervous system is wired in such a way that it must keep the eyes level so when you have interior pelvic tilt the back must wrench to keep your eyes level. It's a huge source of back pain just inefficient and sometimes painful movement and uh, I still have a bit of anterior pelvic tilt I feel you know my right my right leg much much stronger than my left leg you know, I feel my pelvis always just tilting a bit you know forward to the right and so I get on my my handheld massage gun you know, pretty much every morning and just kind of dig into my down there uh, inside my pelvis in the pelvic bowl and in a bit and try to loosen up those muscles and try to 
they release the old anterior pelvic tilt so I've got some good release feels good but uh, I've got somehow some unnecessary muscular tension patterns that are resulting in this anterior pelvic tilt and now I've got to try to negotiate six lanes of traffic without getting a run over Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, free at last, free at last. And I want to get home and I want to look up self-respect. Like why do I engender disrespectful treatment by a not insignificant number of people in my life? And here I am, the greatest writer of my generation, you know, leading geostrategic analyst. You know, a guru with, with insights into, a, into life. Someone with the capability of bestowing meaning over the universe. Yet I struggle with anterior pelvic tilt and uh, receive a disturbing amount of disrespect. And many people regard me as some kind of marginalized loser. What the hell is going on here? Sometimes Ford loses himself from intellectual stimulation to help the cognitive minions. <laughs> That's why he's such a good guy. <laughs> yes, this knower of hero systems. Someone who understands the fictional nature of hero systems. And yet, I still got this interior pelvic tilt. And I'm the recipient of these disturbing jokes about depends and adult diapers and you know, I'm geriatric and one foot in the grave and weirdo and psycho and freak and what the hell so much to pray on <laughs>